and welcome to Success Stories. I'm Kendra Hall, Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine, and this is the podcast where we sit down with the brightest stars and the boldest thought leaders as they share their stories so you can create your own success story. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get stuck in the trap of thinking it's already been done, right? Like I'll be working on a book or or an idea or even this podcast, and that voice will come in and say, what are you even doing? There are so many other people who are doing it the exact same thing, probably doing it better than you. You should just stop right now. If you haven't ever had that thought, I envy you. It's an awful one. And if you have had that thought, this is the story for you. I mean, it's a story for everyone because her success is just so incredible. But I walked away with a new confidence that, yeah, maybe it's been done before. Maybe it's been said before, but it hasn't been done by me. Today's success story is Jen Sincero. Jen Sincero is a badass. She's a multi-time New York Times bestseller who is best known for reminding all of us that we already have all of the power we need to accomplish anything we want. Her 2013 book, You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life, has sold over 3 million copies in more than 35 languages and spawned multiple spinoffs, including the much-anticipated upcoming December release of Badass Habits, which I personally cannot wait to read. Jen? Well, thanks for having me. Now, I have to tell you, you've been an inspiration to me for many years, but most specifically and most recently, it was just this past fall, um, my book was coming out. And so I spent a lot of time in Barnes and Noble uh, manifesting of all things. We would just find a reason to go to Barnes and Noble for, for any reason. We would go to Barnes and Noble. And I remember distinctly, you'll probably remember the month, but I walked into Barnes and Noble and I turned to my right and you had an entire wall. Like, like there was a whole wall dedicated to your books. And I remember I, I had a visceral feeling in that moment of staring at that. And it was green and yellow right now because I didn't know that it in New York, in New York city on 86th street, an entire, well, I know I need, I, and I miss Barnes and Noble now. Like I know we should, we should say that we're recording while we're, Still in the pandemic, so I'm sure conversations are always hinted with that. But I remember standing there and looking at that wall and wondering, I wasn't even at the point of someday I want a wall, um, but wondering how does one do that? Like what kind of woman can make that happen? And I know that our listeners of success, if they haven't read your books, they you need to go get them. You are a badass. There's one that's yellow. There's one that you're a badass at making money. That one's green. Go get our books. But I think I want to start there, Jen, with our listeners that haven't heard your story before. Can you share a little of it with us? Well, um, I started getting into the whole self-development thing because I was a train wreck, which is often how most people do it. Um, I was in my 40s. I was living in a converted garage. I was making, I think, either 30 grand or less than 30 grand a year. I honestly don't even know how I was getting by. 
And I just got really, really, really sick of it. And I started reading all these self-help books and going to self-help seminars. And, and I really focused on making money. That was my big thing. Like I actually was in a band. I was doing a lot of my creative things that I wanted to do, but the money piece was just mm -hmm. the thing that was so impossible and so colossally mysterious to me. And so I made it a point. It was my focus. Everything was focused on money. I became just like a one note song. And, um, and then, you know, through years and years of coaching, I'll try and keep the story short. I, um, anyway, I basically write every single self-help book under the sun and I'm a writer. I've, I've always been a writer also. I had published a couple books already and hadn't made any money on them. But then I was like, Hey, where's the self-help book? It's got some funny stories and some curse words. And you know, that would have been the kind of book I would have wanted to read during all this. Yeah. So, so I had someone um, write to me. I posted on my Instagram that I was going to be having a conversation with you and someone just <laughs> wrote an entire pair, like a, a whole, like multiple screens worth. And what she said was yours was, you were the first self-help book she had ever read. She hadn't heard of it before. It was it was really her, you know, you, it was her virginity right there it was your self-help book. So I have a question for you. Do you remember, and, and I could tell in, in what she said and what she wrote, like you, just like your first time, you will always hold a special place in her heart. You know, I, I mean, anyway, my first time was, okay. That was, <laughs> you know, that's right. Like, you know, it kind of depends, but yeah. do you remember your first book that you read, which was the first, tell us, tell us about that. I want to know about yeah. that. You know, there were two, which is why I'm yeah. saying. Okay. Three way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one was Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love, yeah. which that great quote, our deepest fear is from everybody credits it to all these other people. It's Marianne. No, that is 100% her. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yep. So <sighs> that was the, that one. And, um, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle or Tolle. I don't know how to say his last name. I don't, really? Two, yeah. Were my first. Do you remember where you were or what that, cause I, I do feel like it's kind of this, you know, the first time you start going that direction, it's this interesting, do you remember where you were, or how you got them or what it looked no, like? No, I don't honestly remember when I actually read them, but it's funny, I just got off the phone with one of my best friends from college who grew up on a commune and who was over, you know, completely suffocated by way too much, not so great self-help back in those days. Right. and some great stuff. And so, but she, you know, aside from all the stuff that she went through, she has a very deep spiritual practice and always has since she was a kid. And she was the one who got me into the whole meditation thing and, and, you know, harnessing your own power. And I know she's the one who turned me onto these books and probably gave them to me and they probably sat on my shelf for years. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you remember one of the first times that you started? I remember one of my first book, my first personal development book was Think and Grow Rich, which, you know, that is a, that is a deep, that is a thick text to sell. It was thick, but, but I, I had a little paperback copy and I remember sitting in my car before spin class and I was like, okay. I'm going to write my affirmation. And I sat in the car and like wrote out the affirmation and then repeated it out loud before spin class. Do you remember when you started taking some of those ideas in the books and maybe in awkward ways, started putting them into practice? Like specific yeah, moments. Yeah, I, you know, I did a lot of what I call sh shelf helpery 
where you leave it on the shelf for a long time or you read them, but you don't really do anything or you read them. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we all get into those sort of like, you can also get into that cycle of just studying all the time and not doing a damn thing, you know? So I was very experienced in that for years. And then it was sort of, I think by the time I got to the garage, I was like, I am in my freaking forties and I'm living in a garage. Seriously. Seriously. (laughs) This is the best I Jen Sincero can do with my one and only life on planet earth. And I sort of made a decision then to, to start not only reading the books, but actually doing every single thing they told me to. And that was in LA. I was living in Venice beach at the time and um, in my garage. Yeah. Would you, would you do, would you like prep, would you meditate in the garage or would you go to the beach? I had to do it at home. Beach yeah. is too distracting. I never uh, yeah, I know. Especially Venice Beach. <laughs> I know Venice Beach. My God, you never know what'll happen to you there. <laughs> yeah, don't close your eyes, and right. you don't want to have them open. Like it's a you're, you're kind of stuck as far as that goes. Now you said something interesting right away at the beginning, and I I love this concept of you know like I was always a writer. Now you weren't always writing because you were in your you know you had written a couple books, but you were you were always a writer. Tell me, and I think that that's true for anyone that is has achieved success of some level, if they are to trace it back to like their childhood, they would see glimpses of who they are now and what they're meant to do. Do you remember, go way back before the band, before the first books, before the garage, do you remember those moments of early writing? What did those look like? You know, I have one memory and I don't actually know when it's from. I didn't write as a kid if I, I, well, I probably did, but I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I wrote a story about my parents' divorce when I was probably 14 or 15 and submitted it. It was for some class and the teacher, like, she was the first one who was like, you have an apple talent for this. I had no idea. And I just remember that moment of being told that it was something I did well. And did, what did you do with that? Did you? Oh, nothing. Right? <laughs> I know. Isn't that just terrible? Well, and then also, well, I went to college. I, I majored in creative writing, but it was only because it was something I could kind of do well. I never had to write. I've got friends who are writers who like have to write or they don't feel well. I was like, God, no, I need a gun to my head. Like <laughs> I've never been that way, you know? And so I didn't take my writerliness seriously, but everybody's different and um, it won't go away. That's the thing is I keep trying to not write. Cause I'm like, it's too painful. It's such yeah. a struggle. I'm so sick of hearing myself complain. So I'm not going to do it anymore. And then I get a great idea and I'm like, damn it, I have to write that stupid thing. <laughs> so what, so tell me about, cause I have a, I think we all, I think a lot of people have conflicted relationships with what they're really meant to do. So what, what do you do? What do you do when you have this idea? And what is, what does your writing look like? Like, what does that process look like for you? This question? Well, I'm, I'm presently really making a concerted effort to change it. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Uh, but to be honest with you, I write all of my books in a month because my publisher gives me eight and then I blow it off for seven. And then I sit down and write the whole damn thing in a panicked month. Like bad hygiene, dirty robe, but focused as hell. And um, I do it. And so this is my sixth book that I'm working on now. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get up early and write a couple hours every morning. I'm going to be that person who's like normal. 
and we'll see. It's, uh, you know, we're getting there. I still have more than a month uh, to write it. So I'm still dicking around. I, I do the exact same thing. And I finally learned. So it's interesting to hear you of all people saying like, that's something I'm trying to change. I finally just like leaned into it. I'm like, yeah. okay, this is what I do. Like I, and I would, you know, like you, maybe it's a month and a week because you really can't put 60,000 words on paper in a month. You need that extra or whatever it is. But I do the same. And yeah. I, just- I gave into, I mean, believe me, I have to give into it every time. And I think I do this every time too. Like yeah. I can never, I go to a food steak and I don't remember. So I actually call my friends. I'm like, okay, please be honest with me. Did I freak out this much before the last book? Did I pretend I could write it in three months? That of one, like, yes, you did. It's like, okay, well, so I'm on track. This is my process, and that's great. Exactly. Well, mm-hmm. and I think that's what I love about, um, what I love, and, and I know you get to hear all the time what people love about your books, but I think one of the things is it is just hundreds of pages of permission to be you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in everything, like that, that line underneath, is just there. And I love, and you are a badass that every, look at, I just opened to a page and it says, love yourself. Like that's, I think that's such an important, um, a message that comes through. So thank you for that. And one of the other important messages that I love, I have so many questions and I have them, I have my notes. See, I write lots of notes. That's what the first, that's what the first, <laughs> so, so one of my favorites concepts and i think i think it's uh, so valuable of course is that connection with the universe with the source with that and and having that faith and having the openness and i want to talk about surrendering a little bit later so i'm curious for you because i know i know for myself i know for many people they can pinpoint a few of those universe source moments where it, it, it didn't really necessarily make sense at the time, but you were, you were trusting that intuition, you were trusting, um, whatever that calling was. Can you share any of those stories, those specific universe intuition moments that happened for you? Oh Lord, so many. And of course, where are they now? <laughs> One second here. Um, <laughs> I should have sent this to you. It, I was like, oh, I know, should have sent I it actually, to you. I actually like it when people don't, though, because it yeah. feels more organic. So, except totally. <laughs> no, it's good. We can edit all this. <laughs> I love it. Uh, let me think. Okay. Um, you know, one thing that has always sort of blown me away is uh, the title You Are a Badass. I, when I, I, I used to be a copywriter and I used to write, you know, one-liners and ads and I love writing little things because you can do it so quickly. Yeah. Uh, and um, <laughs> I, I'm really good at titles. That's my, I love doing chapter titles. I love doing book titles. It's, it's, it's just my thing. But for You Are a Badass, I could not come up with a good title. I was just, it was the one book that I had written by that time where the title came last. The other books I had the title and the idea first and then, um, you know, went that direction. So I couldn't come up with a title and I was sort of banging a million things around. And You Are a Badass was one of them. 
And I came and the word badass was a word I never used, never used. I had a friend who had a website called Hey Little Badass and I borrowed the URL and used that for my blog for a while. But other than that, I never used it, but I used it for this title. And it was one of those things that I felt a little bit inauthentic inauthentic at the time because I, it wasn't really who I was and, um, it, it just took off and now I see it everywhere. And it's just, it's just, that was just one of those things where it felt right for some reason, even though it wasn't totally me and my thing. And I went with it. Thank God. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe that. And now that that is like, even as I read your title, it's like badass, like it's, yeah. And that, so how does it feel? How does it feel now? Does it, does, are you still like that? That was the universe's choice. It's still not entirely. Right. Is that how you, is that how you feel about yeah, it? I'm a control freak, but I'll let the universe make some choices for me. <laughs> no, I do. I mean, I do use it now more, but it's still, I don't know. It's just funny to me. I definitely uh, and, use it more. And how, and I mean, because yeah, I don't, obviously that wasn't for you. That was for all the people that mm-hmm. needed to pick up the book and needed to right. hear a title that was different than all of the rest. So I have, I was having a moment as I was preparing for this because I remember specifically um, there was a point where I was on airplanes and I was traveling a lot. This was just a few years ago. And you, your book was on every flight. I could not get on a book and look or get on a flight and look around and not see someone reading your book. And I was like, where, you know, where's this book coming from? So then as I was preparing, I looked to see the pub date for You Are a Badass and it was 2013. And for me, I thought I wasn't on planes in 2013. How, how could I have? And then I realized that it was published in 2013 and took off in 2016. I want to know about those three years. What I mean that you, of course, you know that that, that never happens. That's just, it's just, it's unheard of. And I think those three years, I can just imagine what happens there. I'm fascinated to know about them. You know, I think timing had everything to do with it. I think also, and I think this is important for everybody to think about, um, you know, I did not reinvent the wheel of that book. There, 99% of the stuff I write about has already been said. I just said it in my way. So I think what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs is you feel like, why am I going to start a restaurant? Why am I going to start? Why am I going to be a coach? You know, it's I've been done a trillion times. What you bring to any endeavor is everything. So being as authentic as possible, finding your own specific voice, finding your niche is so critical. And so I think, I think it was timing. I think the world was really ready for a new voice in the self-help world. Mm-hmm. And I was also the first one to do it. So mm-hmm. I think that for timing too, like now everybody's writing, you know, fuck shit, this, that, you know. I know, really, yeah. <laughs> they really are. So it's they like, really are. but I was the first one I got there first. And I, you know, and by the way, I don't know this how well known this is, but it got rejected by every publisher. Everybody said it wouldn't sell. We got yeah. rejection letter upon rejection because there were so many self-help books in the world. They're like, she's not saying anything new, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
but um, luckily it finally got published. And then what happened was because it was such a new, fresh voice and a fresh way of seeing it, I think people were just like, it spoke to them in a way that the other books, which by the way, I have such reverence for all the other self-help books in the world. They changed, they saved my life. But um, I think because it spoke so differently, people were like, this is the book that really speaks to me. I'm going to buy 10 of them and hand them out to my friends. And then their friends would buy 10 and hand them out to their friends. So it was a real, I call it the yellow snowball. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so by 2016, we got on the New York Times bestseller list and stayed on it for years, which is a miracle. I can't. So, so tell me about, were you, how did you feel in those three? Like, were you, were you frustrated? In the, and in three years is a long time. Like, yeah. were, you, were you frustrated? Did you have moments of doubt that maybe this isn't what you should be? Like, how did you feel during that time? Are you kidding? I I had written two books before that that I probably lost money on one of them and <laughs> made you know thirty five dollars on the second one. So the fact that I like got in advance and had a book in the world, I was like woohoo! Yeah. And then you know I was I was a life coach, so I had my life coaching business and that was going great. And you know, so I was I was doing what I set out to do, which was to make money. And, and I had this book that I was proud of, but I, no way in hell was I sitting back waiting, like, when am I going to be on the bestseller list for years? What's taking so long? Like, when do I I get a whole wall to myself in Barnes? Yeah, right. Exactly. Barnes Noble. (laughs) Here's my wall. So tell me then about that. Um, Do you remember the day or where you were or that moment when you get the call that you're on the New York Times bestseller list. Do you remember where you were? Yeah. Tell me about that. On my way to my friend's house and we were going to Albuquerque to see Steely Dan and Elvis Costello at the casino. Nice. At at the casino. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And my agent called me and told me and it was so exciting. It was so exciting. It was just incredible. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, that's the big kahuna. Yeah. yeah. It's still, it, I have to say it almost still looks like I'm looking through binoculars backwards. Like there's the whole badass Jensen Chero universe and, you know, sitting here in my robe, you know, with my dog. And my, it's just, it's so amazing and weird. <laughs> that's so, that's so good. That's so good to hear though, because I do think that it's easy to believe that at some point we're going to achieve this and at some point we're going to achieve that and then we'll feel different. And the sooner we can learn that we are who we are, no matter, you know, and to not wait to feel different until you get to a certain point, but to. That's a great point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I do feel I'm not the same person who was living in the garage by any means, but I also am just still so grateful and amazed by the success this has had I just my and also the people who read my books they're like the coolest people ever I just I can't get over it yeah Yeah. Yeah. okay so tell me did you have any moments and I know maybe a good place to look is the many many rejections you got Mm -hmm. but throughout the course of this whole experience because I think we often when we think about success when we see you when outsiders see you it can feel like a straight line um, that you went from here to, you know, or that we erase in our own minds that it was, you published the book and it was three years before it was an international phenomenon. Are there a few moments along your journey where you specifically remember being like, 
oh, this is, this is a setback. Like, oh, maybe I, and, and questioned what you were doing or, um, or, or, or felt like it wasn't quite right. Well, definitely when it wasn't getting published, when grown-ups at publishing houses were telling me that it wasn't going to sell, that was a really scary, scary moment. And then when I did get a publisher, we had a huge disagreement. Like we finally got somebody to publish it. So it was, you know, and then they wanted to publish it before it was done, in my opinion. And I was like, I'm not putting my name on my rough draft and publishing it. And they, it, so it was that, it was really awful. And so I was going to pull the deal and self-publish. And it was awful. Oh my God. And I'd worked so hard on it and I'd so believed in it, but I had to do it because I didn't, think it was a good piece of work and then it ended up thinking around and whatever and we agreed but I had to walk through the valley of fire and I really do believe that like nobody gets to the top of the mountain without having to do exactly what they write about by the way and I'd like you know I don't know about your book but I had to do so many things that I wrote about and you are a badass before it got published I was like why can't I just write like romance novels instead of <laughs> making you do all this scary stuff but yeah so that was definitely scary and a big setback. So what did that, what, what does, what does a Valley of Fire look like for you? Like, was it phone conversations? Was it like, what, what did that, I'm trying, I'm trying to picture you standing there, like looking at your phone thinking, am I really going to say no to this? Like what? Tell me more. I want to know about that. Big crier. Oh, really? Uh, Oh my God. Yes. Uh, and lots of talking to my people, my friends, um, let, and letting myself feel that way. Like letting myself go to the depths of it's never going to happen for me. Everybody's right. This isn't going to sell. I've just worked my ass on, on something that's a big stinking pile of poo, you know, whatever I need to do. And then getting my big girl pants back on being like, all right, well, so it's going to be self-published. I know not much about self-publishing. I'm going to figure it out. So I just got to work and started researching it and, you know, investigating it and talking to people who'd self-published. And then my publisher and I started negotiating and they ended up publishing it. But, but I had to completely surrender and let go and allow what was coming through me to just be like, all right, you know, the universe tests you. I, I, there's that great podcast, um, How I Built This, and it's all about entrepreneurs and how they built their businesses. Every single one, their, their entire building burnt down or everybody dropped dead or, you know, there, there's, everybody has a story where it fell through the floor and then they built it back up. And I think that's exactly, like I have the chills just thinking about it because yeah, they could have, it could have just gone along the way that most things do, like, you know, they, you send in your draft and they send it back to you and you go ahead and you move forward. And you wonder if that step had gotten skipped, mm-hmm. if it would have been like, you had to learn an important, le- what, who did you become through having to, yeah, because it was action. You were ready to take action. You were ready to go in an entirely different direction. How did you feel once you got, once you became that person that made that decision? To self-publish? Yeah, where you were like, I'm gonna, I'm. I think there was probably an element of power there. Then, like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm taking back control. There was, and I was really sad because I 
really didn't want to self-publish because I yeah. published two books. You know, I, had, I was with Simon & Schuster before that. I was like, I, I like having a yeah. publisher. And even though I do think self-publishing now is a whole different ballgame and you can completely knock it out of the park. Absolutely. It's such a DIY world now. But I just knew myself and I knew I wasn't going to love it. Or who knows? Maybe I would if I know nothing, quite frankly. No, but I, I didn't excited, yeah, but I was yeah. doing it. So it did feel good to just take control and not be a baby and be like, all right, it's not happening. Do it. So it yeah. wasn't for sure in a way. So let's talk about that. Just the, um, and then I have just two more, but I wanted to talk about this. And you mentioned it there, the topic of surrendering, because you know, we're, we're recording this, as I mentioned earlier, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. There's a lot of uncertainty and um, I think a lot of surrendering for entrepreneurs, for business owners. I know for me, my uh, primary work before this was a keynote speaker, speaking in front of groups of people. Yeah. That isn't a job anymore. Yeah. Um, so I went through the, I went through the valley and, and, you know, feel better on the other side of it. So can you tell us first about that concept of surrendering and, and then if there were any other moments, even more recently where you've had to surrender yourself? Yeah. You know, I want to just speak to something because I don't want to forget it while I'm talking about something else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm talking more about the practice of surrender, but what you just said is so, so valuable that when you physically can't or just literally can't do what you are setting out to do because the universe has a different plan and you're forced to surrender, there are so many silver linings that you just blow past because you're so on a trajectory and you're so in your reality that you've created by your beliefs, words, and thoughts that you don't see. We literally, you know, they say you don't know what you don't know. You don't literally see or consciously recognize any of these other possibilities that are all there all of the time mm -hmm. but because you've decided things are a certain way and that reality is a certain way you don't see them. So there's so much beauty to be gotten from a time like this and from surrender. Uh, I mean, life can be even better when you're stripped of all the things that you know how to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you can remember that, especially in such a difficult time like this, just it, there are silver linings everywhere and just really trying to look for them. I know some people are seriously struggling right now. So, you know, hats off to you, but just there are, there's so many things to be gained for everybody. Um, and I think that um, especially in our culture where we are so um, rewarded for hard work, you know, you got to work hard. Mm -hmm. to the hard work thing is such a, is so drilled into us. And yes, you do often right. and surrender at the same time. So do everything you know how to do, write the book, study the topic, you know, learn about publishing, do all the work and take it very, very seriously. And at the same time, you've got to, lean back and breathe into it and let it go. Let go your expectation. Let go everything you know how to do. Let go everything that you're assuming is going to happen because there's all these other silver linings out there that are even bigger and better than what you're planning. And if you don't give it some air and some space, you'll never get it. I just, I really do think that, uh, this time and reading, going back and rereading your work, right now to prepare for this 
it was just, it's so important. So even if, if people have already, and I'm not exactly sure when the podcast will air, but even if people have already read You Are a Badass or any of the others, to go back and reread them now in the pandemic, post-pandemic, and, and to see those those moments, those silver linings that we, so what would you say to somebody who, who surrendering isn't one of their strong points? Like, does it take practice? Is there something they can do? Like, what do you do? Uh, you know, first of all, become aware of where you're white knuckling your life. Start paying attention, especially to phrases like, I know, mm. um, and just start can have and be playful with it. Just catch yourself getting worked up up about somebody not doing something the way you want them to do it or something not going the way you want it to go and just be like, oh, look at me. Aren't I cute? I'm having a complete meltdown because somebody left their jacket on a chair or whatever <laughs> your thing is. Yeah. And, and just notice it and let it go and start doing it with little things that don't really matter that much so that you can get into the habit of releasing. And then it'll be easier with the things that you're really white knuckling that seem to be much more important that really need your attention. For yeah. I mean, I, I think that was my, my favorite part is that act of surrendering and, and how powerful it is when that happens. Okay. So just a few more. What, um, Jen, when was a moment that you thought to yourself after all this, you're like, and it could be a small moment. I think we have these in small moments where you were like, oh my gosh, I did it. Like I went from my garage to making seven figures. When you, you have that moment and you're like, this, it happened. I did this. Do you have one of those or a handful of those moments where you're like, oh, this is it. I did it. Um, you know, I have a really strong delay. And I think a lot of people have this. I didn't even believe I was a writer. I had, to, I had my very first book sitting on my floor, published by MTV Books. And they're, you know, a real publisher, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> around. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was beginner's luck. You know, it took me years to even be able to say with a straight face that I was a writer. Mm. So this success of mine now, I don't feel like it was a sort of lightning bolts moment like I did it, but I definitely have a very different relationship with money now. It's sort of totally besties. I, I still have some weird things around it, but it, I, it's a totally different ball game. Um, and just the way I live my life and the things I do are totally, totally different. So but now it's kind of normal. So I, I am not answering your question and I don't know the answer. I don't think I did have one. I think by not answering it, you're actually, you're answering it in a very interesting way, which is, I don't think that, I, I think that there are so many people who, who are so focused on like, don't see what, what has happened right there in front of them. Right. And so then, um, like you don't have those moments because yeah, your book sitting next to you, it isn't really real. So, so looking for those moments where you're like, Oh, okay. This, this thing has happened. All right. One more. Oh yay. Okay. Yeah. I have one moment that I can remember, which was when I was, um, I was speaking on stage at a Tony Robbins event in front of 8,000 people. Actually it wasn't, it was with him 
ish and in front of 8,000 people. And that was the most people I'd ever spoken in front of. And it was huge and totally intimidating. And I, and it was not 8,000 fans either. I'm, I'm great on a book tour. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. 8,000 strangers basically. And, uh, it was an out of body experience for sure. So what were you thinking when you were standing backstage, right? Cause they read your introduction or whatever, and then they call you yeah. out. Tell me about that. Like, what did that? I get really nervous before I speak mm-hmm. and um, I do and I don't. When it's, when it's my people, it's, it's so cozy and fun and I love that. And, you know, I know you're a professional speaker. I, I thought I would love it because I used to be in a band and this was going to be yeah. like a role for me. I don't love it that much. Like it takes, it zaps my energy, which mm-hmm. is how I sort of base things now is like, does it give me energy or does it take away my energy? And it's not that big of an energy boost for me. So, so I get really nervous and um, certain that I'm going to forget everything I wanted to say. And then I get on stage and I'm usually fine. Thank God. And I go into that fugue state and then all of a sudden I'm off stage and I don't remember a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then it's all the lights and you can't see any of their faces anyway. So I Uh know. I know. Okay, one last question. Um, uh, who is someone's story that inspired you, but maybe they wouldn't necessarily know it? Well, one person that I've always really looked up to is Dolly Parton. I have just always adored her spirit and her energy and her um she's a really smart businesswoman she can make fun of herself she looks like she's having a blast she loves her work and i'm sure she's got all sorts of downsides and things that make her sad and you know nobody's perfect but i um i just i just love her energy and i think she's incredible and where she came from and what she created and she's awesome yeah she has that quote, right? That's like, people think I'm a dumb blonde, but I know I'm not dumb and I know I'm not a blonde. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that quote. I love that quote so much. Okay, so what's next for you, Jen, and where can we find you? You can find me at youareabadass.com or jensincero.com. They both go to the same place. And next for me is Badass Habits. And I'm really excited about it because they're just, you know, if you can have, if you can shift your habits, which you can, mm-hmm. changes everything. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. I'm really into ease, man. Yeah. Making life easier. And yeah. just to build, to build it right. And I do think when I saw that that was the next one, it's such a perfect progression because you can be out here and be like, okay, these are the, but then to just build it in so you don't even have to, so it's not even a thought. Right, and, and then, I'm the book kind of like a course. So that's what I'm really excited about because I'm a coach. So I'm very like, yeah. now do this, now do this. So I laid out sort of a course-like aspect, which I'm, I really hope will be helpful to people. Ooh, so there's the book and maybe a course that goes with it? Well, it is the book. So the book yeah. explains habits and explains a whole bunch of stuff. But part of the book is you do things every mm-hmm. day. It sort of walks you through a process. So I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for joining us on the podcast. I'm so glad we got to connect. Thanks, Jen. Thank you so much. It was really fun. Thank you. We'll see you soon. If you enjoyed this conversation, look up an inch or down an inch and check out all of our previous discussions. You can find those at iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are sold. 
And of course, check out the latest issue of Success Magazine by heading over to success.com slash subscribe and get more inspiring stories like this delivered right to your front door. Be sure to give us a review on Apple iTunes and you can find me at kindrahall.com or on Instagram at kindrahall. That is Kindra with an I. I can't wait to hear the stories you'll tell. Until next time. Thank you.